Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? My name is Ken M. Joining me for this edition, you know him. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in that conversation on social media. You can find all our accounts and so much more at OchoDuroParlayHour.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPH. Kicking off this edition of the show, we have to recap... Comic-Con at home. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, San Diego Comic-Con was impacted as everything else in the world right now with yes. the COVID-19 outbreak. So this year was not your traditional San Diego Comic-Con. Not by a long shot. No, definitely not. They went all virtual. All panels were put online on their various social media outlets and their YouTube page. Mm-hmm. So you could attend wherever you were from home. We yep. did some live streaming uh, events on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast with Rich uh, from 3 Fat Nerds podcast, Tom from Off the, Off the Cuff Gaming, and myself. Really kind of deep diving into this, but we are doing the official ODPH report card on this as we do whenever we review cons that we are watching, attending. So, Pad, mm-hmm. we are going to be talking some spoilers. So, if you haven't seen anything from the cons and you really want to check it out, you have to go to comic-con.org's YouTube page, check it out, and then join back in because we are talking spoilers. Three, two, one. So, Pad, what did you think of this year's San Diego Comic Con? It sucked. It was quite possibly the biggest pile of hot garbage I've ever seen. Uh, normally I get real excited for, you know, not just comic conventions, but gaming conventions. And even to a certain degree, you know, like the CES, the electronics conventions, even to a certain degree, the the car uh, shows, because some of the stuff that comes out of those are real cool. Sure. You know, and normally I get real excited. You know, I remember last year when Marvel was having their big hall H panel, we were at the, uh, I can't remember if it was just Brian or if it was all of fair city fire. Mm -hmm. Uh, they had a concert going on at a local establishment here. We were like, we were there watching him play while marvel was announcing their stuff and it was just you know every other you know two minutes oh my god they announced this oh my god they announced that and for this like literally i two things hit my radar and we'll get to them in a little bit you know but outside of that i didn't see much anything else not much anything else registered for me hit hit my radar enough that i was like that i had to stop what i was doing and go let me read this article let me see what this is about you know and obviously yeah we know marvel wasn't there and and Neither was DC and Star Wars really didn't have a presence there per se. You know, there weren't any real heavy hitters, but I still kind of held out hope that there might be some interesting tidbits. There might be some interesting announcements. Sure. And sure there were, you know, the the Netflix show Dragon Prince that's from the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender got announced that it's getting like three, four, five more seasons, whatever the heck it is. And, And to anyone who enjoys that show, congratulations. I'm sure you're very excited. I haven't seen it, so... Didn't really register as excitement for me, but so overall, it was a piece of shit. Well, for me, I, I won't be that harsh on it because of dealing with everything going on right now. The sure. Fact, the fact that we had an attempt to try doing a virtual con is going to set the blueprint for whatever we're going to have moving forward. Sure, and I'm not, and I'm not sitting here trying to say, oh, you shouldn't have done a thing, right? Or, or I'm, I'm not appreciative that they attempted. I am appreciative they attempted because. And I realized their hands were a little tied with 
you know, technology and everything because everything was pre-taped. Mm. It, it went live the minute the panel was supposed to start because, let's be honest, trying to schedule that many live streams and broadcast them on oh, YouTube. forget about it. it te- just the amount of technology they need to pull it off is just insane. So I do appreciate that, but that in therein is one of my issues. Everything was pre-taped. One of the only panels I was excited for, not even excited for, just kind of curious what they would say, given the lead-up in the news, was the New Mutants panel. Mm-hmm. And and I went to go watch it, and it, it didn't, uh, when I was watching it, I didn't even get out of the teaser trail that they put in the front. When I saw somebody go on Twitter, if you're expecting any Disney Plus news out of the New Mutants panel, they don't say anything. They're, yeah. they're, they're like, there's no big announcements. They're just sticking to the release date. And I'm like, the hell's the point of watching any of these things if stuff's getting put online right as they launch? Well, that was another drawback of this year's San Diego Comic-Con. I mean, I like I say, I applaud them. And where I'm, where I'm saying, I'm not going to be too harsh about it. Sure. They didn't have the full heavy hitter lineup, as you touched upon. No. That they've had in years past. Marvel only did their comics, and they only had a couple panels here and there. They did their next big thing panel, which sure. was, was a very good one. Sure. But you didn't have that Hall H MCU show-stopping moment this year. You didn't have the big announcements, which fans are very used to. Sure. Obviously, when, sure. when you hear San Diego Comic-Con, it's very heavily influenced by the movie studios. Obviously, being out in California, sure. it's easy to get sure. actors and actresses there. So this year, they didn't have a big presence. They didn't, but I feel like at the same token, you could have done... Like, like let's use an example. And obviously, this is maybe apples to oranges, but a couple of years ago at New York Comic Con, they were supposed to have a panel for the Punisher. And because of what happened that year in Las, Las Vegas, Vegas, they put it off. And at, at the 11th hour, they brought in Stan fucking Lee yeah. to do it. You know, given the fact that we know what's going on with the movie studios, they're not... Hardly anyone's filming anything. Mm-hmm. You know what's coming out. They're not going to announce anything new. I feel they still could have done something awesome and maybe bring on all the all the Batman actors that are still living and have them do a roundtable discussion. Something like that. You know, we brought up in the preview show, uh, preview episode that it was the 80th anniversary of Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. Maybe have a panel with any living animators that drew Bugs Bunny or any of the voice actors that are alive that voiced Bugs Bunny and talk about the legacy and the tradition of the character. Pull out something that feels like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that the world can get to ex- experience it all together. And not just one of those, hey, oh, hey, I was in Hall H for the Walking Dead panel or the Marvel panel, and boy, you should have been there. This It could have been something that everyone would have experienced. Oh, definitely so. I mean, I'm not taking that away. But it was just one of those situations without a full stacked lineup mm-hmm. as years past. This definitely felt, I don't want to say a letdown like you, you said, but I definitely took that in consideration when seeing the lineup this year. Sure. Because obviously DC Comics is holding off a lot of their big announcements for Fandom in August, which makes sense. Well, yeah, which makes sense. They're doing their own, yeah, and they didn't want to go all in on San Diego. Which sure, it's it's like if it's like if Lucasfilm decided to announce the next big Star Wars movie at a, you know some comic convention a month before Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, they just don't do it. Right. So they held off, and obviously, whenever Fandom is going to be rolling out, which all the signs point August twenty second, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a twenty. 20- four-hour virtual event, mm-hmm. they're going to come across a lot of the same challenges I feel that San Diego did this year because trying, trying to stack that much. But I think that where they're going to succeed at, they're going to have a lot more movie news, a lot, yeah, more, yeah. a lot more trailers, yeah. a lot more 
content that will definitely capture the mainstream fans a little Maybe more. Maybe some unannounced uh, films? Possibly. I mean, there is so many rumors going around right now about projects that we're going to mm-hmm. get some you know, clarity when it comes down on fandom. Yeah. But for San Diego, they definitely felt that impact that without a major Marvel Studios panel, mm-hmm. without a DC Universe panel, like the movie studios. I sure. Mean, without a Star Wars panel. Sure. The lineup was very comic-oriented, which is not a bad thing, but for those show-stopping moments that break Twitter for mm-hmm. a good uh, while of time, it was really lacking this year. Yeah. But we did have some panels that did stand out for different reasons. Okay. So we are going to kind of break down what we thought one San Diego Comic-Con put an asterisk by it. Sure. Because uh, obviously, if it was a normal year, maybe these panels wouldn't have stood out so much. Yeah. But for what we had... There was some news to break down. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, that being said, I know that you kept your eye on what I would assume won your weekend, and that is the Walking Dead panels. Yeah, that was the one that I was kind of mo- most interested in and kind of you know, wondering about because, as we all know, uh, or if you don't know, you might have heard, uh, the last season didn't ever get its finale. It got the penultimate episode, and then they had to shut down filming uh, because I believe they had to do some post-production work, and mm-hmm. then they had some like pickup shots and reshoots to do, but they couldn't get it done because everything got shut down because of C-19 and restrictions and what have you. So that was kind of the one I was most looking forward to, to like, okay, if we're going to find out when the heck we're supposed to get this season finale this is going to be it right i also figured we'd hear some stuff with next season and then with all the other shows going on you know fear the walking dead and, and walking dead worlds beyond so that was kind of the one i was most looking forward to yeah that one definitely had a lot of news coming out of it fear, yeah fear definitely was an interesting panel and like i've said previously that show has gotten better I'm not going to give it a shot because, like I said, I gave up after midway through season two. Oh, I gave up season two. I hope the whole family got eaten. I make that statement very loud and clear. Like, I really did not like that show. I started coming back when Morgan was added. Sure. Uh, Lenny James was added to the cast. Sure, sure, So I started giving more of a shot. And it has gotten better. Am I blown away by it? Not necessarily, but it's enough that if it's on the TV, I'll give it a shot. Okay. So that being said, we right after that was the actual Walking Dead panel. Mm Mm-hmm. And that one, like you touched upon, they did give us some noise about when the season finale was going to be. So I believe it's October 4th. Yes. And we did get a little bit of footage of what to expect coming in for the end of the Whisper War. Oh, my God. That, that what was it? The, like th- opening three minutes or first three minutes of the, of the season finale? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. I was definitely excited when I caught that. Yeah. And definitely got me more hyped up to see. And obviously with The Walking Dead... This season has been very hit or miss, depending on what you want to uh, think of the beta mm-hmm. storyline or the alpha storyline. I haven't minded. it. I have actually really enjoyed no, yeah, it for it's what good. it's been. Yeah, and it's definitely a different take because, obviously, Andrew Lincoln is no longer part of the show. He's off doing his eventual movie that we did get a little more news about, Yeah, but nothing really concrete because mm-hmm. we did hear more about the group, the three-ring group, as they're calling them, Yep, and how they're going to be touching upon all three shows yep. in some variation. And how Rick is going to be somehow introduced in that uh, whenever that movie is coming, which they said they're taking their time on to really make sure they're developing, I believe. Well, it, it's not just they're taking their time. It's because, you know, C-19 is kind of giving them the time to work on it because I think by now they would have normally been working on it and filming it. But because they can't film anything and have uh, groups of people large enough to to do, a, you know, it's, it's not the case like. Uh, Price is Right, or not Price is Right, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy are like coming ba- uh, get back to filming episodes either end of this week or early next week. Mm-hmm. And it's not a case of that where like, okay, you just need the host, you need the contestants, and you need, you know, a couple camera, like two camera people, and then somebody in the control room. 
it's not a case of, like you need so many more people to run a television or film production set. Yeah. You know, so it's they can't they literally can't run them right now because they they obviously film in Georgia. You know, Georgia's got its own issues going on with C19 and the high numbers. So I th- they normally would have been filming by now, I think, but because everything's shut down, they're kind of like, all right, well, we got no, can't do any filming. Why don't we work on the script some more? Yeah, which I have no problem doing. I'm just expecting this to be something very, very good for all the delays we've had. About I was saying, it. I'm hoping so. Yeah, because obviously, with Andrew Lincoln being away from the show, The Walking Dead has changed a little bit. And little like bit. we said, with Morgan, uh, who's played by Lenny James, going to fear, mm-hmm. they've lost a lot of their very strong actors from the show. Uh, Diana Guerrero. Yep. Uh, has as leaving the show presumably for the movie nobody, nobody's really said anything but we do know when her character left the walking dead she learned that rick was alive so connecting the dots here one would kind of figure she's going to find rick yeah and then there's no word if she's going to be on the movie we assume that you would, uh, you would think yeah the deny is going to be on there so there's a lot of uncertainty with the walking dead but they mm-hmm. have made a best of a bad situation yeah. in a very rare situation because i honestly can and please if you can think of an instance hashtag odph I cannot think of an instance, a major show, you know, not obviously not reality show, but like scripted drama television show lost its main actor in the middle, like in the middle of a season. I mean, the only thing you can describe is recently with Batwoman. Yeah. I mean, that's the only one, but we, but we don't know how that's going to be. And I, and I, I know there's a new actress playing the leads, but yeah. And obviously, you know, uh, there was a gentleman who was on criminal minds who left for entirely different reasons. Uh, you can look that up on your own time. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking in instances of like they just left. Right. Like like let's just say like an NC NCIS if, if Mark Harmon decided to leave like midway through. You yeah. Because like it was in season like nine or ten or so. Like obviously that show's still going and Mark Harmon's still doing the show. But something like that where like holy crap they're leaving the show. I can't think of any instance like you said. Uh, Batwoman's the most recent instance, but even that doesn't feel like the same kind of like stone being thrown into the pond as Andrew Lincoln is leaving the walking dead. Right. Well, he's been the major star of the show. Yeah. And then like I said, I say, I, I say I've got eight of the nine seasons on Blu-ray at home. He is on uh, seven of them. Right. And deny Guerrera has always been the number two. Yeah. On the show. I yeah. mean, she Michonne is elevated to that status on the show. Yeah. With both of them leaving, it's definitely left an impact on the show, but Norman Reedus has carried it with the character. Daryl, albeit though, I always refer to it as Wolverine leading the X-Men. Pretty much. It's, it's a different vibe, but Jeffrey D. Morgan is helping as Negan definitely carries that show a lot. Don't say uh, just with Norman Reedus slightly longer fuse than Wolverine. Yes. Uh, so far. It's not, it's not much, but slightly longer. But right. But as we go on with this, with The Walking Dead, though, after the Whisper War, we were surprised to hear six more episodes are going to complete the season. Yeah. So the next episode that comes out is technically going to be, I guess, be considered the season finale. But they're adding six additional episodes on. Uh, that will begin airing uh, early next year. So they're pushing back the following season that won't air this coming fall. It'll air next fall in 2021. Yeah, it's a very odd schedule. Yeah, really weird. It's just kind of, I'm I'm not questioning it going, you know, is this the best idea? I'm just kind of going, okay, I wonder why. Well, I think that they want to really make sure they have enough time to produce shows and get them sure. made to a high standard Sure, that I don't think they want to just rush it to just get it out on screen. Sure, but at the same token, though, I would understand if they say, hey, listen, you know, we're not going to be able to put out next season of Walking Dead in the fall. we got to push it back to next spring. I mean, CW is doing that with all of their, right. their, their programming. You know, all of the Arrowverse shows aren't coming back until like January, February, mm-hmm. you know, because they're not filming. 
I, you know, I understand that like they're trying to fill the time and make sure the the scripts and everything are the best that they can be, but like, just come out and say, you got to delay it. Like, I'm just kind of wondering why the extra episodes. And I'm also wondering what's going to happen to them. Well, that's another factor, too, because I know they're bringing Maggie back to the show. Lauren, right. Lauren Cohen's coming right. back. Right. So that, Finally. Yeah. Which, they've been teasing that all year. Well, we've, we've known that that's going to be happening for a while. Well, so. and they've, they said themselves, like, oh, no, you know, she's not gone. She hasn't left the show. She's just stepped away. She's coming back. She'll be coming back this season. And here we are, like, the final episode. Like, yeah, well, where is she? Yeah, so now we're going to get a little more news about what her character is going to be doing when she returns. Which we did get teased in that little trailer that got posted uh, where she's riding back and she finds like a lockbox type of thing buried in all the letters of what's been going on. And I didn't, and I love the way they, they showed it where you didn't see who it was until they showed the letters and then they cut to her head and I'm like, oh shit, it's Maggie. Yeah, which, I mean, she'll be a great addition to yeah. help the show out. Can't wait to see how she reacts. Also, uh, let's take a parlay bet or a, a Vegas bet. How fast before she tries to kill Negan? Uh, within the first 10 minutes of her scene that she sees him. <laughs> I, I saw that post online. They're like, all right, so how fast is Maggie going to try and kill Negan? Well, that's going to be another storyline that they're definitely going to have to try explaining, which mm-hmm. good luck with that. But that's why we watch the show. Yeah. So that's going to be a very big storyline moving forward with that. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the only Walking Dead news. We did no. get some more news about Worlds Beyond. Yeah. So uh, they did announce that despite C-19 and the pandemic going on, they did get season one in the can. So that is scheduled to come out. I forget when they said. Actually, it's going to be on October 4th, right after the season finale asterisk Whisper War ending. Sure. So they're going to go back to back with those okay, shows. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, uh, for anyone who's really amped up for that show or looking forward to it, don't worry. The season's done and in the can, so you won't have a Walking Dead type scenario where you get to a certain number of episodes and then you got to wait because it wasn't done. Right. So they have said this is going to be a two season event. Okay. So it's going to be very short, which. Sure, I, that, that makes sense. Well, it makes sense, but I, I'm just very interested. And when I saw the trailer and footage for this, mm-hmm. I got to admit, not blown away by this. No, I'm still not either, and I'm going to give the first episode episode a shot just to see, you know, because like like with Titans, yeah, first trailer, awful show, not as bad, not as bad, and I just hope it it's going to be something that really builds to mm-hmm. maybe another show, yeah, because if you're only going to do a two season event, it's like why are we getting right. invested in characters, right? And and I'm kind of hoping that. Once you have the second season over, you bring over some of those characters into either Fear the Walking Dead or the main show Walking Dead, or use it as a way to build up the next villain, you know, once you're done with, say, the because I can't speak for Fear the Walking Dead, I haven't seen it in a number of years. Mm-hmm. But with when you're done with the Whispers, set it up for whatever villain you've got next after the Whispers with Walking Dead. Build in you know, their story there and bring them over once that show's over and done with. Yeah, it would make a lot of sense. So, like we say, The Walking Dead had a very strong block Mm -hmm. over the weekend. Uh, For me, though, the block that won Comic-Con had to be Amazon Prime Video. Okay. I think that for everything they unveiled, it definitely had that big feel event, even though Amazon Prime is not on the same level as Marvel and DC and the space and just be honest, but they are gaining some ground. I have to admit that for the shows that they have coming and we did get teased of, of three of two new shows rather. And two that are returning. Mm -hmm. They kicked off doing truth seekers, the new Simon Pegg and Nick Frost show, which those two are involved with paranormal hunting. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to be ghost hunters, the trailer looked hysterical. I'm all on board with it. It definitely got me hyped up for it because, like I said, I didn't hear anything about this till we started doing the preview episode. Right. So this one definitely I have on my radar. And the other show that really stood out, which was their new one, was the one with John Cusack and right. Ryan Wilson. Yeah. 
and Utopia, which it definitely was not what I was expecting. Okay. It definitely had this whole conspiracy vibe to it. Hmm. And I know in the preview we were saying it was supposed to be a, a graphic novel brought to life and how sure. people are interacting. I didn't even get that. It just felt sure. like such a conspiracy show hmm. that I'm very interested to see this. I, I really enjoyed the trailer when it came out. Upload was Upload. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a fan of that show, it was more of the same vein. Nothing wrong with it. Um, like I say, it's a show that if I catch when it's on, great. If not, yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't have it circled. The one, though, that definitely lived up to the hype, though, was the boys trailer. Oh, boy. Or the boys panel. A lot of news coming out of that. Uh, season three has been Ari Greenlit. That's not a surprise. No surprise there. And they're doing a prime rewind show. Hmm. So immediately after the episode's debut, because uh, they're not going to be put together streaming or um, bundle deal like uh, Netflix does for their shows. Sure. They're going to be having an after show with Aisha Tyler oh, okay. moderating and going over each of the shows. Makes so, sense. Yeah, which I think is kind of a very interesting concept, especially sure. for a streaming service. Yeah. So wait to see how that one comes out. But that one was a fun panel. I really enjoyed that one. Like I said, Amazon Prime really had a nice setup for mm-hmm. San Diego Comic-Con. That's why I said, like, if I have to get my grades, I think they want it. Sure. I think they're the strongest. Uh, Walking Dead, like we touched upon, they had a great one. DC... Had I, I guess I would say like a twofold one. Sure, they did have some very noteworthy panels, okay. and I'm, what I'm doing is I'm grouping in the one with David Goyer in it. Okay, because that one we was ironically when the Justice League footage got leaked out mm. from Zack Snyder, and it showed Henry Cavill in the black Superman suit from the uh, Reign of Superman. Say the long rumored. Yes, but now official. It was official. We you saw a very short clip of him. Uh, flying in to see Alfred, oh, okay. who was working on a car, and there was like a very brief exchange. It's only like a 30-second clip. It's going around on the internet. So that was something that really made people get excited for the new uh, Snyder Cut. I know we've talked about it numerous times here on the show, so wait and see about that. The only other new noise that we heard about that, news noise, whatever you want to find it as, that Zack Snyder is not using any Joss Whedon footage, which shocking. Yeah, no surprise there. It's going to be the Snyder cut. So it's the Zack Snyder cut, so it's his version of the movie. He's only going to use stuff that he himself filmed. Yeah, so that one I thought definitely made a lot of sense. So if anybody does not like how this version is going to be, well, it's all the Snyder footage you wanted. You got it. Yeah. So I'm excited to see it whenever it comes out. We didn't hear anything I'm about st- the release I'm, st- I'm still not. And I'll be honest, I heard about the footage I'm still so turned off by everything Zack Snyder cut that I honestly still don't give a shit. No, that's fair. You're allowed to have your opinion, my friend. Yeah. So for me, though, I'm definitely excited to see what the hype is going to be. Also, along that same line, I know I'm kind of jumping around panels because I want to get back to DC in a second. Mm-hmm. We had the new Mutants panel. Oh, yeah. So you want to break this down a little bit for us, Pat? Yeah, so I guess this for a lot of people was a very anticipated one because of all the news that had been happening uh, earlier that week, you know, with the supposed trailer leak and the supposed trailer saying that it's coming to Disney Plus on September 4th. It wasn't going to be true. And everyone, you know, Disney had come out and said, nope, it's not real. But they were pointing to a previous instance. I forget specifics where something leaked. They said it wasn't true. And then it came out that it was true. You know, so everyone's kind of going into this with kind of very huge expectations. And I'd say the air got let out of the balloon very quickly. Uh, the Disney Plus thing is not true. The film is not coming to Disney Plus. According to director Josh Boone, there's some sort of contract that was signed that it has to come out in theaters first. You know, so they're sticking to their date of August 28th, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and that the only other thing that was really said is that the movie is an hour and 38 minutes. 
Yeah, which is very, very interesting. Real short. Real short, but the footage I saw, I was happy with. Uh, I know they kind of did a little bit of the intro mm-hmm. of the movie. They are following the Demon Bear story, which we t- we talked about way back when, and obviously taking the Chris Claremont, Bill Sankiewicz mm-hmm. uh, story from the New Mutants original run. I liked what I saw. I'll say the other thing I should say, should say with that leaked uh, trailer ad spot was Disney said it's fake, but there's new footage in that. So it's kind of everyone's kind of trying to figure out, OK, if it's fake, how did this person get a hold of new footage? Because if so, you have somebody leaking footage. Right. That's going to be an untold mystery that I think we'll find out years from now. Yeah. That it's going to be coinciding like with the with the Deadpool uh, uh, conspiracy, which, oh, yeah. which I'll have to get to in uh, one shots. But that was like the big movie news that came out for the, the San Diego Comic-Con, which it was, like I said, it was relatively quiet for, mm-hmm. in that aspect. Mm-hmm. I know that there was the Constantine panel. Sure. Which Keanu Reeves was going over. Uh, with the, the some of the cast and the director of the original film, like ideas they were having for the sequel, and they threw out the idea of doing a new Constantine if the fans wanted it. Mm. Um, I'm kind of like 50-50 on this. I mean, I prefer Matt Ryan. No offense to Keanu Reeves. Same here. Matt, I prefer Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, like I said, Keanu, I, I would love to see you get involved in the DC universe, just maybe as a different do a, mul- do a multiverse Constantine with him and Matt Ryan. Well, that would be something, but I'd like to see if they're going to do, uh, you know, a Constantine film again. Really start following something from the Vertigo storylines. Mm. Like really go deep dive into the comic when it was really, yeah. you know, John Constantine. So I'd like to see that. If and obviously there was nothing about an HBO Max right. show that came out. I know they had like HBO Max did have some quiet rollout. So did Peacock. Right. So did Quibi. I know Apple TV has. Quibi some, still exists. There was a there was a panel there. I did mm. not catch it, but no. I, I did see something. But like I said, overall, it was a very quiet Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Comic news-wise, though, is a different story. I know Marvel, like we said, had their next big thing panel. They're really hyping up Empire right now. Sure. I know that um, that's going to be crossing over in different books, and they're rolling out the World by Night book, which I think is going to tie in more so with Moon Knight when that gets released, and it's possibly going to be a big Midnight Suns reveal. Yeah. So that's going to be something as well. But what really stood out for me comic-wise had to be the DC panels. Okay. That they had a lot of their creators come in. Tom King, Tom Taylor was on was leading one panel uh, with Brian Michael Bendis. And they were talking about a bunch of different projects they have coming out. I know that Tom Taylor's been releasing teasers for Injustice, mm. whether it's a new book coming out or it's – a lot of fans are running with the idea it has something to do with a video game release. Oh, maybe. I, I don't think – I don't think it's so, anything with a video game because they haven't announced anything. Right. So I don't know. I think it's a new spinoff book that's coming out. Prob- but, probably. But I know they're teasing a lot of it with the font you see on his Twitter. Mm-hmm. Tom King was talking a little bit about the new Rorschach book he has coming out, uh, which that sounds like it's going to be amazing and absolutely just bonkers. And I'm super excited about that. And then to flip it to day two of DC Comic-Con at home was all the Bat family. Right. Which you know I was camped out for this one. Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo talking death metal, which is absolutely, I say bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throw that on times 100. If I throw this comment at you, Army of Lobos. Jesus Christ. Yeah. They decided to release this. We, like, don't, we don't need that. Oh, my. There was that. And I know they were hyping up about the Robin King. Yeah, I've saw a lot of articles about that. Which uh, like, looks it, real scary. Uh, yeah, which, I mean, has one, a better name than the Batman Who Laughs. Yeah. Sorry, I still hate that name. Uh, the Robin King, though, the way they're establishing it is worse. Yeah. Which is 
scary if he's, you've been following the comics. He's more twisted than the Batman who laughs. I mean, I which heard, is real twisted. I heard the comment about the flash ring, and that's yeah. all I'm going to leave it at. Yeah, Google it on your own. Although we should warn you, uh, those with you, those with weak constitutions, need not search. Yeah. But I will say this, though. They really brought the energy for that panel, even though it was a Zoom call. Right. Greg Capullo was, like, super amped up to start talking to people. And he was super energetic. And it's being somebody that's met him in person. Right. It was like I was standing right in front of him. Mm. Like, that is literally what you get. There was no fakeness. There was, and it never is with him. Him and Scott are always just super gracious when you, you go meet him in person. And then they were talking about some of the new Black Label books coming out. I know that uh, Sean Gordon Murphy has... Uh, a new spinoff coming from his White Knight series. Okay. Uh, that was kind of really catching my eye. And there was a lot of just regular comic news. So, like I say, it, it, overall, DC really didn't re- reveal a lot of the movie stuff. It was just more so uh, just a lot of the comic stuff, which, like I say, if you're going to Comic-Con, you will like it. Mm-hmm. And you definitely have to say, okay, this definitely was you know fulfilling my appetite, so to speak. And I was definitely happy with everything we saw. So I was not... You know, too disappointed for the comic news. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you didn't get a lot of the big mic drop moments, though. No. But I will say you did get a lot of content. However, I got to say, I did not give a good grade to one panel, though. Okay. Was not impressed with the new Hellstorm uh, on Hulu show. Oh, really? Yeah, that one, the, pan- the footage I saw for that, very vague. Did not sure. really give me an idea with sure. whatever they're doing. And for it being the last Marvel show under the uh, Jeff Lowe banner, uh-huh. I've, I, I will say I'm going to check it out for the first episode, but I'm really not amped up to see it. So I'm probably not just because, like you said, it's the last of the Jeff Lowe era. It was supposed to launch this whole new venture series, but whatever you want to call it. But now that's not happening. So why get invested in something for a season that's going to be gone you know once it's done well i think just if you're a fan of the character and you want to see something different sure but the only thing about this one it was a lot of the characters just standing around talking to each other and if you're not familiar with the characters which i don't think they did a good job explaining who was who right it was like okay is this supposed to be a a show of superheroes is this supposed to be a detective show like what is this i was not a very big fan of this one so when it comes out Maybe they'll have some more footage that maybe will get me more excited about this, but I wasn't blown away by it. It was what it was. I would say that if I have to give my grades, like it was probably the one I was least stamped up about mm-hmm. after watching it. And I'm going, okay, well, mm, we'll see what happens. Like maybe this will be something that surprised me, like you touched upon with the Titans trailer. Yeah. That maybe this will be a big surprise later. But for right now, I was not impressed. But to recap, though, very quickly, we gave good grades for the Walking Dead panel. Mm hmm. Uh, New Mutants, uh, what did you say, BC range? D. D. Uh, for me, Amazon Prime, I gave a minus uh, a- 2 for their presentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC Far From Home panels, I, I will give a solid B. Okay. I, I thought that they were very good for just giving you comic news. Mm-hmm. Not, not anything else, really. Um, the Justice League information, I would say, was another highlight, mm-hmm. um, if you're really into that. But I know we've kind of gone back and forth. And one panel, I would say, or one person that I think had a very strong Comic-Con to end our recap of that, Todd McFarlane. Really? Yeah, he just had a documentary come out on sci-fi like Hell I Won't. Hmm. And the he had one panel that was focused for that and just going over everything with the documentary. I did see it. It just came out this past weekend on sci-fi. Is it the last dance of comics? 
Yes and no. Okay. They did have a lot of um, stories of when he was breaking into the business and just him going through how he did. I think he had something like 300 rejection letters. Jeez. But kept going. And when he finally got his break in Marvel and or when he got his break, comma, when he went to Marvel and when he decided to leave and start Spawn. And it was really kind of just building up to when he unveiled Spawn 300. Mm-hmm. I thought the documentary was actually very good. Okay. It's very inspiring if you're trying to get into the comic industry or just when you have a dream and you want to go for something. Todd is one of those uh, people that is just so focused, and when he is determined to make something happen, he's going to do it. You can definitely check out some of the documentaries that they've been done about Image Comics and how they formed right. for proof of this. But this one I thought really gave you a little behind the scenes of everything that was going into getting Spawn 300 more so mm-hmm. than his actual like history getting into comics. But the stories he had about um, his Spider-Man days, are, I, th- I thought was excellent. Uh, he definitely had a lot of very interesting footnotes mm. that I thought were very cool. And the next day, he had another panel that was just breaking down everything that oh, was going on. Heard a little more hype about the Spawn movie. No real concrete uh, facts, though. Mm. But it was what it was, and I'll take any information I can get on it. So overall, though, Pad, I know you were not super impressed with San Diego Comic-Con. What do you think if this is the same situation next year we could do better? Um, I would say try and get some more of your big heavy hitters to do something. And even, even like I mentioned, do a panel that's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You know, like I mentioned, get the living Batman actors together to do a, a roundtable. Just to, just talking the character and their experiences on set and some stories. and sw- Just something that like you anyone can watch and be like, wow. I've never seen this. This has never happened before. Because like, I remember when it was James Bond's uh, 50th anniversary, there were talks that, uh, for the Oscars. They were not the not the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars. There was talk that they were going to have all the living uh, Bond actors that could make it. You know, they're on stage together. And I thought, holy shit, that's never happened before. Right. That'll be awesome. If you can get something like that, or, any, or even if it's like some comic characters or cartoon characters, uh, and whatever anniversary. You know, if it 50, 60, 70, 80, whatever, get the artists, get the voice actors, get the writers together to do a panel because there are a lot of people who like a lot of characters. And I, in something like a Bugs Bunny, Wonder Woman, you know, Green Lantern, Spider Man, what have you, whoever's anniversary it is next year, I guarantee you, you'll get a lot of people that'll be real excited to see their favorite character talked about with all of the people who that are have worked on it that are still living. Yeah, I have to agree. I think next year, if they are in the same situation, which I hope they're not, I hope we can get back to live cons, I think that they should really try stacking the lineup a little more. I think, obviously, with DC doing fandom, that hurt a lot. Marvel really not unveiling a lot of the MCU lineup because they're not sure when they're going to be back in schedule for it. I understand, but maybe we can start getting a little more Disney Plus information coming out for it. Right. We'll have to wait and see. For the panels that were there, though, I have to say... They did try their best to make something happen. I know that Bill and Ted had a big panel, too, for the new movie coming out, but that's mm. going, this also has the weird going-to-theaters, end-the-video-on-demand deal coming out later this year. Mm-hmm. So that one, like I said, really didn't stand out too much, but it was enough information. But we've seen some trailers already, so like I said, it didn't really capture that feel of the mic drop moment in Hall H. Mm-hmm. The other panels there, like we've recapped, definitely had moments that stood out. One that we didn't really cover too much was the Star Trek one. Right. But that one also unveiled a lot of footage that if you're a CBS All Access subscriber, you know what they have coming. They had some great stories about Picard and Discovery and the new animated show coming out as well. Definitely had a different feel this year. And I applaud them for trying. And then just next year, hopefully we're not stuck in the same situation. I'm still hoping for live cons. 
We still have to wait to hear about New York Comic Con. I get hit up about that all the time. As far as we know, still haven't heard anything. We have not received any emails about what's going on. But we'll again just say this: we are sitting here. It is the end of July. Uh, the convention is supposed to take place in what a little over, little over two months from October. now, uh, early first weekend of, uh, of October. Uh, they have not put badges on sale. They have not sent out any announcements of who's coming. Right. Uh, uh, signs are pointing to not happening physically. They'll probably do something much in the way San Diego and a bunch of others have done something virtual. Right. So that is what we're expecting and fully bracing for right now. Because there's no, I don't think there's any physical way they can throw together a con- an entire four-day convention in less than two months. The only way they could do this if they have had very quiet deals already worked out. Mm-hmm. And they'll just do it and just and won't have it in front of a live crowd. They'll just have it maybe only for press. I think Rich from 3FM was bringing that idea up. I, I, th- I think the only issue with that, with that though, is this, this state government of New York has got like 20-something states on a, on a – if you come to this our New York state from any of those states, you have to quarantine for two weeks. Right. So that kind of throws a monkey wrench, and, and one of them being California. Yeah, it, it would be very, very hard to try doing that. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I think we're going to go all virtual, but if anything, New York will be able to learn from San Diego. Yeah, hopefully. And see maybe they can pull off something to get more hype around it. Because, I mean, you say that the event wasn't a success. Yes and no. I think that we've touched upon that it didn't have the big heavy hitter moments. And for going to the cons, it's about seeing all the cosplay. And I know there's videos, but sure. like you touched upon, a lot of it was all pre-taped. Mm-hmm. You don't have that fan interaction moments, those times you can just tell your friends hey i met so-and-so or i was at the blank panel right and this happened and just those moments it's a tough situation but it's nothing against san diego it's just the situation the world we're in right now so hopefully this isn't something we'll have to deal with next year and everything gets resolved sooner than later fingers crossed but definitely hit us up on that hashtag hashtag odph what was your thoughts about comic-con at home did you like it did you not and what stories stood out to you that maybe we didn't cover we can definitely have that conversation on social media We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Asking you to check out our new podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Join us as we delve deep into comic lore to uncover the history behind a wide variety of comic book characters. Each episode will feature one hero, villain, team, or ensemble, and break down what makes these heroes super. We'll give you recommendations on what storylines to read. Explain how characters were created discuss adaptations, costumes, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. Yeah, and spoiler alert, these conversations can get pretty nerdy. This is Comic Book Keepers. Hey, this is Brian Wolf from Fair City Fire. You are listening to ODPH, the greatest podcast in Binghamton. Woo! Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we have to talk about a show that is returning to Netflix, mm-hmm. long awaited this weekend, and that is The Umbrella Academy. Oh, okay. Gerard Way and Gabriel Bay's epic comic of a dysfunctional family of superpowered heroes, if you can call them that, and trying to save the world from an apocalyptic end. And do they or do they not? 
Well, that's just what you have to find out when you watch season one on Netflix. Originally coming out in comic book form 2007, this book was definitely one that flew under a lot of radars. But with Gerard Way writing, he does have that very unique sense of characters, uh, you know, uh, storytelling purposes. Right. Uh, you know, how he presents a story is always interesting. Right. I always say he is somebody that follows a lot of the same lines of Grant Morrison hmm. when you write a book. And that's when the show was originally airing. It was going up, ironically, head-to-head with DC Universe's, now HBO Max's, Doom Patrol series. Mm-hmm. They both came out the same weekend last Valentine's Day. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, in 2019 there. Oh, yeah. Best day ever. Um, so that being said, it was a head-to-head, and who won? The fans did. Yeah. So definitely had to be super excited about that. And now we finally get season two coming out. Both shows are doing very well. So this was going to be one that we had a lot of question marks going into. Because mm-hmm. once we heard it was finally greenlit for season two, what were they going to be doing? Now, obviously, sure. they're covering the Dallas storyline, which happened in 2008. And we get the first footage of the team now traveling back in time, which mm-hmm. is a minor spoiler per se of season one. So if you haven't seen it, we are going to be talking some spoilers. I'm giving you a fair warning right now. Where we jump in, the footage has been released online, and it is where number five wakes up in Dallas around 1960. Uh, specifically 1963. Yes. Which for you uh, United States listeners, you're if you're familiar with your U.S. history, you know what happens that year in, the, in that city. Uh, for those of you who are abroad who aren't familiar, uh, Wikipedia, John F. Kennedy. Yes. So as they travel back in time... Uh, Obviously, we've touched upon this with Agents of the Shield. We touched upon this with Legends of Tomorrow. What Touch happens when you Doctor ta- Who? What happens when you go back in time? Nothing good. Exactly. And they wind up going back. And number five is seeing that the Soviet Union has invaded America, and is in the middle of a battle going on where all of a sudden you're seeing the full Umbrella Academy using their powers and working as a team. Hmm. And which is very very wild to see because if you know anything from the first season. To see how they were after the death of their Professor X, uh, Mr. Hargraves, they were definitely not a cohesive unit by any means. Each, oh, yeah. each one of them has a, a damaged history, to say the least. I mean, uh, Ellen Page, who plays Vanya Hargraves, uh, was the one that turned out to be the most dangerous one of all, and her powers could have caused the end of the world. Mm. Did it or did it not? You'll have to wait and see. Tom Hopper plays Luther, was the Superman-type character, number one, as he's referred to, and his body is one that is very strong, and it looks, for the TV show purposes, like an, a merger of a gorilla and mm-hmm. a human body. David Castaneda, who plays Diego Hargraves, was like the Batman of the group mm. and was more using knives and using uh, violent methods to solve crime. Okay. Emmy Raver Lappin. Mm-hmm played Allison Hargraves, who had a power of persuasion, but she'd always have to say, I, I heard a rumor. And then whatever she would say after that would fall into place for whatever needs. Robert Sheehan, who played Klaus, who is the most dysfunctional <laughs> median you'll ever see, mm-hmm. uh, definitely was using his powers, and it looked like he finally mastered them because that was something that it seemed in season one he couldn't do because, well, when you have your substance addiction problems, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But luckily, he could have the help of Ben Hargreaves, who was played by Justin Min, who was using his full ghost tentacles to help fight the battle, which mm. you have to see, which we only saw a little glimpse of in season one. But now with season two, we definitely see a full form. So as we say, number five, who's played by Aiden Gallagher, is now appeared 
in time because he can time travel, teleport, albeit though he is a very old man trapped in a young body, is now seeing the world and seeing it fall apart that they didn't stop the apocalypse that they thought, but they might have caused a new one. Mm. And before he goes and this, uh, tries meeting up with the team who has now stopped the battle, essentially, they are seeing the nuclear bombs are getting set off. He does see the appearance by Hazel, who's played by Captain Cameron Britton, who says, who does the typical come with me if you want to live. Mm, okay. And disappears before the bombs go off and destroy the world. That's where we're jumping in with this. So for the hype for this season, like I said, they're going to be borrowing from the Dallas storyline, which everybody's expecting. And from the plot synopsis that was posted on IGN, quote, Five warmed his family so many times that using their powers to escape from Vanya's 2019 apocalypse was risky. Well, he was right. The time jump scatters the siblings in time in and around Dallas over a three-year period, starting in 1960, having some been stuck in the past for years and built lives, and certainly are the ones, only ones who survived. Five is the last to land smack dab in the nuclear doomsday, which, spoiler alert, turns out to be the group's problem. Deja vu. Now the Umbrella Academy must find a way to reunite, figure out what caused Doomsday, and stop it, and return to the present timeline to stop that other apocalypse. All of this by being hunted by other groups. They're looking for them, Mm -hmm. but hey, no problem. Paraphrasing a little bit there, but that is from the IGN article, because I think they said it best. I can't say anything wrong with how they have it set up, because they do capture the essence of what goes on with Dallas. I have read Dallas. It's along the same lines of the first book, so you'll definitely be happy as a Umbrella Academy Watcher, mm-hmm. if I can say that right. So, Pat, I guess what I'm saying is this. You're waiting to jump on for Season 1, correct? Oh, it's not even waiting to jump on Season 1. It's just I had, when uh, Season 1 got ready to come out, uh, I did the thing you can do with Netflix, you know, add to queue when it drops. Uh, and, and it got added in there, but I just never got around to it because The Witcher came out, and then The Mandalorian came out, and then... Uh, you know, just all this other stuff started coming out that I just got so sidetracked in it. And my queue and Netflix kept getting bigger and bigger to the point where like Umbrella Academy wasn't within the first couple of things I view. And I completely forgot about it until I was cycling through and it's like, oh, things on your list you might have forgotten. And Umbrella Academy was like one of the first five. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I did forget to watch that, didn't I? So that being said, going into a sequel, what are you expecting for a show to capture the magic of the first two? Uh, I would say kind of capture the magic of the first, maybe some similar writing or build off of what you had happen in the first season. Maybe if there was a cliffhanger, have it last more than one episode into the second season. Looking at you, Flash. Mm-hmm. You know, build off of that and then have something to really grip the viewers and really get them invested for season two. Like, like I said, haven't seen season one, but I did watch the trailer of that one trailer that came out for season two. And as soon as they mentioned Dallas 1963 in a certain presidential name, I went, oh, shit. Well, yeah. Well, if you follow the books, you know exactly where that storyline is going. And I'm not going to spoil that for anybody because that just wouldn't be fair. But I think this story is going to definitely be something that does follow the books Fairly to the letter, mm-hmm. I want to say. I think that they're definitely going to have a lot of similarities, but definitely some changes because, like I said, they did have some subtle changes from the original uh, book in the first uh, run. Sure. So this one I'm expecting. And then it hasn't been announced yet for um, season three, but I fully imagine Netflix is going to do this. The amount of hype going into uh, the Umbrella Academy is definitely worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't heard anybody say anything wrong that – it wouldn't warrant it, and definitely it was a huge success the first time out. I forget how many millions, but I believe it was something that just it was an instant re 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 up mm. for Netflix. It was relatively soon. I remember that. Yeah, so I fully expect this one to be one that everybody has circled on their calendars too, 
And to see more comics come out like this, I fully applaud when shows get a good chance to run and be something that's not typical superheroes. Mm. The one thing about the Umbrella Academy is it is damaged superheroes. You see their flaws. Like I say, Klaus is the one that has the most flaws of everybody. But yet you can see where the character is really trying to be a hero at times, but can't escape the demons of his, of his own you know, fault. And obviously they deal with substance abuse really open and out there. That you see that there's a lot more adult themes in this, but it's something that doesn't take away from the overall story. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good to see the diversity in the characters and their origins. That just not everything is just all typical, you know, happiness. I guess. Sure. And I think that to see more networks taking a shot of doing a show like this, I think is a great thing. That's where you yeah. see in the success of Doom Patrol. Oh yeah. Which is definitely not safe for work. Yeah. And definitely deals with a lot of the same vibes that Umbrella Academy does, too. To see shows like this succeed, I think, is sending a good message to networks and production companies that, hey, we don't need to do a million Batman shows. Right. We need to do a million Spider-Man shows. We can definitely go and take characters that don't fit into the mainstream and make them work. Mm. I know that sci-fi has really shifted away from that lately, but even though when they took their shot and they had the run of Deadly Class and Happy, right. those were books that were definitely... Not for kids. Yeah. Dealt with a lot of different elements. I mean, Happy, uh, the fact that I actually got on screen and for a second season, which was absolutely batshit crazy, it was still a success that it made it that far. Yeah. But to see them get pulled off, and we haven't really seen anything else like jump out like that on on major networks. I don't think we are for cable. Maybe when no. FX does, if they're still doing Why the Last Man, that might be something. Mm. Um, it all depends on what everybody has lined up. I, but for Netflix, I think it's a big win. And I think the fact that they're going to stick with this franchise and probably I would imagine if, if this show takes off like I think it's going to for season two, mm-hmm. we'll hear an announcement for season three get announced fairly shortly after. Yeah, And then that'll be the Hotel Oblivion story. I think it's a win-win for everybody. I'd say so. Yeah, because you definitely want to see more shows break out and get there more indie books i think the better because like i say if everything's still all marvel and dc yeah it's great and all i'm not complaining but i definitely like to see more independent books get their run and especially for the umbrella academy which i say it's very similar to the x-men but if the x-men were all broken that's the easiest way to describe this and it's something that definitely has an audience there's a lot of hype for it and it makes sense of how it's translated on screen that even if you're not the biggest superhero fan you can still get into the show. I know a few listeners that have even DM'd and said, hey, I have never been into superhero stuff, but I gave this a shot, hmm. and it works. That's good. Yeah, which is something very surprising because of the nature of the show. Because, I mean, they still do with superpowers. It's still a different world out there, but it still works. I'm definitely super excited about this. I'll definitely try getting a blog up review for this because I don't want to spoil too much for you, Pat. Mm-hmm. But if you got the chance to watch this this weekend, definitely do it. Definitely hit us up on hashtag ODPH. Give me your thoughts, and then do you want to see season three? I definitely do because I think the show has been stellar so far. The reviews I've read on other sites have had nothing but praise for season two. They said it might be even better than season one. I'm hoping because the bar is set very high for me. And I'm just saying whatever we're going to get out of this, is definitely a noteworthy event to get more indie books going. And I would love to see some more. I don't have any on the top of my head of what I think should get made, but if you do, ODPH Society, hit us up. Let us know. Umbrella Academy Season 2 comes out July 31st on Netflix, wherever you are around the world. Definitely check it out and then let us know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Don't touch that dial. Don't change that station. Because just for a minute, we're here. Evading your current universe and bringing you two hours. The Tangent Versus to probe your mind. I'm Kelvin. I'm the Chris. And we're two weirdos, nerds, geeks who discuss and obsess over ours and your favorite TV shows, movies, and other parts of geek nerd culture. So, how about you give us a listen and come with us down the rabbit hole. Take the red pill and see how dark and twisted things may or may not get. Available on all major podcast providers. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. Good Good night. night. Hi, this is Jimmy Gazdick from Crimson Brethren and Floodlands, and you're listening to ODPH. Coming back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and time to give a little more shine to one of my favorite shows out right now, uh-huh. DC Universe's slash CW's Stargirl. Oh, okay. Now, I know last week kind of gave a very brief review because, honestly, trying to describe that episode I don't think a proper review would have done justice. Like, it was arguably the best episode of the season. So much happened. You had the redemption arc of Henry Jr., mm-hmm. who died saving the team, killed by the recovering brainwave, who, like I say, has absolutely been crushing it in the role. They finally gave him some material work with Christopher James Baker, who plays Henry King Sr., really got into his super villain role last week and when he finally admit that he killed henry jr's mother and it was like well henry if you're gonna be in my way i'm killing you too and brings a whole uh roof down on him in front of the jsa who remember are all kids at this time it was truly one of the most gut-punching moments of the series definitely i would say up there when they killed off joey in episode three definitely hit everybody i remember talking on social media about this and everybody's just actually blown away by the performance here so what were you expecting going into episode 11, Shining Night? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. So if you haven't seen the episode, you want to, you don't want anything spoiled, you have been forewarned. We are talking Stargirl spoilers in 3, 2, 1. What did I think? Not as good as last week's episode, but still a good episode overall, Pat. Okay. So this one starts off where we had the minor cliffhanger last week where uh, Barbara, Stargirl's mom, played by Amy Smart, contacts... Courtney's father, because Courtney all this time has felt that she is the true daughter of Starman, mm-hmm. which we find out, no, she is not. A gentleman by the name of Sam Curtis comes to town, who's played by Jeff Soltz, okay. uh, comes in and is trying to do the whole reconnecting thing with his daughter, but in turn is just kind of using her to... At uh, one point, steal a locket and sell it. Ah. So he's definitely there with ulterior motives after Barbara reached out because she has now learned that Courtney is Stargirl, needed some answers because Courtney is fully convinced that, mm-hmm. hey, she is the rightful heir to the Cosmic Rod. And it turns out that she is not, that she is just an average girl that the Cosmic Staff, Cosmic Rod, however you want to define it, has connected with her. Mm. So that being said, this whole episode really focused a lot about how he was trying to connect, and it was really focused on the father that was never there and where he was fitting in with Courtney, who was just coming to terms that she had her whole future turned upside down because she was so sold on the fact that she was Stargirl. At one point in the episode, she actually told the other members of the JSA that she was quitting because she wasn't the real Stargirl. Oh, jeez. Which was kind of a, I wanted, it was a predictable plot point in this. Sure. But it was also another one I was like, okay, 
high school drama, I got to remember, I got to also keep that in mind when I'm dealing with her. Because mm-hmm. like I said, Breck Passenger really was showing a lot of great acting in this, and I don't want to take anything away from that. But like I said, the material was just pretty much dealing with the fact that, okay, it was she was never really Starman's daughter. Who, where is her identity now? Is she really a hero? Did the staff make the hero or the hero made the staff? Mm-hmm. So that was the underlying theme going on with that. However, though, I think some of the strongest work, and I already touched about, was Baker's portrayal of Brainwave, who was almost underhandedly taking over the ISA at one point, Mm. where you're seeing Icicle, played by Neil Jackson, having, it almost seemed like second thoughts Mm. about going through with New America, which was kind of a a trip for me, because this entire season he has been laser-focused about doing their evil plan. Even taking out the uh, the magician and his son at one point too. Mm-hmm. I mean, just seeing all of this happen has just been absolutely kind of crazy to see. Suddenly, he's now softening his stance. Okay, which was kind of weird because, like I said, when he took out the the wizard, not the magician, you really saw how focused he was to make this happen. But he also seems like he's having second thoughts about going after Barbara. I don't know if it's the connection because his son is having. Uh, feelings for Courtney, and he's trying to be a, a better dad in this sense. But this is where Brainwave really puts his uh, wills his uh, authority mm-hmm. and says, "Are you really focused? Look what I've done for this. I've killed my wife and I've killed my son. You really going to tell me you're not you're worried about random strangers and stopping our goal?" Mm-hmm. Which it was such a cold line. He said, "No pun intended." Okay. But it was just the delivery of how he's doing. Like I said, since Brainwave has came out of his coma, he's been their best character on the show. And even so much where he goes to the school where they're having the memorial for Henry Jr. And they have the school assembly. Mm -hmm. And during this, he's giving this impassioned speech about how much he loves his son, whatever. And during this time, he is talking to Courtney in the crowd via telepathy. Oh, boy. And was saying, this is your fault. I know it's you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to come after your entire family. Oh, boy. Like, just completely. And he's so, like, how he does it, too, is just so calculating. It's so evil. Yeah. Like, it was a great performance. But the fact that he now knows her identity. Right. And basically says, like, you're responsible for all this. I know who you are. Oh, it was so pure evil. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I say, you, when you see villains really act up their role without hamming it, because you know how many times actors do that. Uh, uh, quite often. Yeah. This one, there was no cheese involved. This one was just... So I'm convinced Willem Dafoe did it for half of Spider-Man 1. Yes, but he is amazing. So that, he, yeah, he, that's true. He can do this. But uh, for for being as cold and calculating as he was, I, like I said, Baker's portrayal of Brainwave this episode was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And just especially he's up there and he's faking grieving, yeah. but he's talking directly in his mind to Courtney, and Courtney is like losing her stuff because now she's had her dad who disappeared on her come back into town mysteriously, and you kind of had a sense there was an ulterior motive. And it was just kind of seeing what he could manipulate and, and use to his advantage. And obviously when he takes the, the locket, which Courtney has held on so sacred... It was really a telling point of just how evil he was. Well, not evil, his the stepdad was, but just how conniving he was. Mm-hmm. And just him coming back, I think we'll see more of him next season. Oh, I'm sure. Because where it really sums up for him is Pat, played by Luke Wilson, who I hope sticks around for next season. Uh, I haven't heard anything about him leaving, but obviously when shows shift from networks to networks, sometimes you lose cast members. I'm really hoping he stays because during this entire point, he's been the stepdad, 
more he's been more of the dad than the stepdad here. Mm-hmm. And he's really jumped in and at one point when uh he hears about how uh Sam came back for the locket for money, he decides to address uh Sam and say, Don't ever come back here. And because when he starts taking shots at Barbara and he starts taking shots at, at Courtney, he punches him right on the street. Mm. And you can see it was building the entire episode, which predictable, yes, but the right move knowing the character. And like I say, I absolutely love Luke Wilson in this role. I think it was one of his best acting jobs he's done thus far. Mm. And especially due to how driven it was focusing on the step or the real dad coming back to meet his daughter relationship. Right. Like it really focused a lot on that more so than anything else. But they also had their, I don't want to say their, their, their cliche moment at the end because Courtney finally accepts that that was my real dad. And Pat, you are going to be my dad. Mm-hmm. And just has that moment where he it's she gets Barbara and Pat to go down to the basement where the cosmic staff is mm-hmm. and try reviving because right now it's not working and Pat keeps on saying, "You were not the staff chose you because it's you, mm-hmm. not because you're Starman's daughter." And that was something that was like a mental block for her, sure. kind of like on Agents of Shield when Yo-Yo couldn't use her powers because of you know some trauma that she was feeling that randomly came back all these years later. Right. Same kind of vibe I had with this for Star Girl. Yeah. That suddenly that she came in and was like, "Okay, I, I'm not I'm no longer the daughter. The uh, the staff won't accept me." The staff does, and has this weird light-up moment. Mm. And during this time, too, they even though the episode is called Shining Knight, you don't get a lot from the character of the Shining Knight. Okay. Like, I, which one thing I, I thought was kind of, I don't want to say a letdown, but for where they've had their origin stories prior to, I think they've done a better job about that. Mm. I mean, Mark Ashworth, who plays Shining Knight, who's been the, the janitor at the, at the school, um, he's having delusions, and you can definitely tell that he's be recovering from an attack that was coming from the Dragon King mm-hmm. at one stage because he has his memory wiped. And I mean, even from the beginning of the episode, he's having like these weird flashbacks where mm-hmm. he's he's seeing objects, like he's trying to find his his horse, and he's on a farm, and he's like looking at a, a tractor. Mm-hmm. And then when he winds up like finding a, a picture of Pat, he goes to the garage, but he starts seeing that. He's the Dragon Lord, and, and the other JSA members that are there are the minions. Right. And he's walking around with his sword, which he keeps in his janitor closet. Mm. Don't ask comics, reasons. Yeah. So he almost winds up attacking until Pat talks him down, and then he's like, he's like begging for help. He's like, I don't know what happened, but I need help. And then when the only other time you really see him in this episode is when he goes down and he sees that Courtney activates the staff, mm. and he keeps saying, the queen has risen. It's kind of a weird moment. I'm not going to lie. And I'm just wondering, like, is the staff going to somehow kick back the Shining Knight's memory? Because mm-hmm. they really didn't touch upon it too much. Sure. Like, it was kind of a, a different vibe. But how they wind up summing up this episode, like I say, it wasn't as strong as last week's episode, which, I mean, how can you really top that? It was arguably their best one. They do have that meeting between Brainwave and Icicle to end this episode, where Icicle goes up to Brainwave and says, I will take care of the family, including Mike, the stepson, so there's no legacies. Like, it's, oh, it's boy. like they're going all in with two episodes left, and you see the ending shot is the monitor that has the countdown for New America, which has now been expanded from six states mm. to half the country because Brainwave Sr. is back, not Junior. Wow. And they have less than 12 hours now before everything hits the fan. Overall, 
Good episode. Liked it. Not one of the best ones. I think they delved a lot into Courtney meeting her real dad and drug that out. Mm -hmm. It could have been summed up a little quicker or at least have more of a non-cliche payout. Uh, If he winds up coming back next season, who knows, because it could possibly happen, then maybe we can delve in a little bit more. But this one, uh, I don't know. Like It it just kind of drug a little bit in certain areas. But the strong work by uh, Baker as Brainwave Mm -hmm. definitely carried this episode, like I say. Is absolutely frightening how cold he was during the eulogy for his son. And he's sitting there talking to Courtney via telepathy. And even when he takes the reins from Icicle and basically says, are you in or are you not? Mm -hmm. We've come too far. You need to finish this. And even where Icicle is like having a change of heart, which, I mean, that kind of felt a little sudden to me too. Okay. I, I can't really lie. That did feel sudden. Still, Brainwave gets everybody back on the same page. We're going into the final two episodes of season one on a very strong note. All Everybody's all in with their poker chips. Who's going to win the deal is anybody's guess. Two episodes left. Here we go. Hit us up on hashtag ODPH. I want some feedback from our audience. I know Dre is watching every week. We're having a good interaction on Twitter. Join in that conversation if you see it because if you've been watching Stargirl, what is your thoughts? What did you think about the Shining Night episode? Did you love it? Did you hate it or not? And two episodes left. Where do you think the season's going to end? Definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Rich, the host of the Three Fat Nerds podcast and co-host of the Horror Zone 607 podcast. And you are listening to our hashtag 607 podcast brothers, the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Now kick it back over to Ken Moneybags and the crew. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one shots? Got a few things to talk about. First of which, we got to start on a sad note, but a remembrance note. Uh, last week, uh, it was early this week it happened. Last week, it was reported that uh, TV host and icon Regis Philbin uh, passed away at the age yeah. of 88 years old. Very sad news. Uh, for those of you overseas, you might not know who he is, but uh, just to give a brief, and honestly, it, there's not enough time to do justice to his very storied career and legacy. He was a gentleman that got his start on on behind the scenes in television before making it onto the screen. Really broke through uh, with a morning daytime talk show uh, in 1988. Uh, it was called Live with Regis and Kathy Lee uh, that he hosted uh, in 2011 until 2011. So for 23 years, he was on the air. And every morning, like clockwork, Monday to Friday, there you know you you hop on or whatever it aired on in your air neck of the woods in the states was on like clockwork. Mm. You know, one of those staples is just seeing him always doing interviews and funny moments, and then obviously uh, hosting Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and really bringing that show to prominence. And, and I'll say, no disrespect to anyone who hosted Who Wants to Be a Millionaire afterwards. I know they just recently did a run with uh, Jimmy Kimmel and celebrities, yeah, raising money for charity. Nobody can hold a candle to Regis hosting that show. Regis will, Regis made it must watch TV. Regis was an icon when it, when you talk about daytime TV. Uh, whether it had been with Kathleen Gifford or mm-hmm. Kelly Ripa, yeah. he always had this unique way of talking to guests and mm-hmm. making everybody feel at home. And even, yeah. even like from the wide spectrum of like pro wrestling, like I, you'd always see wrestlers from the WWE go on there. Yeah. And he would completely ham it up with them. I think at one time Bret Hart put him in a sharpshooter lock. Oh, yeah. Because I, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if he was saying does it hurt or not. So you, you have those moments where 
Regis became like larger than than life in those moments mm-hmm. because everybody uh, during the eighties and nineties really wanted to go on that show. Oh yeah, and it was always a staple. Like yeah, I, like I just remember that. So it, it it's something that just watching his his work. I mean, just phenomenal. And you know, it's a you know very sad moment. So obviously, condolences to his family, friends, and fans all yeah. over the world. Yeah, uh, moving on, I got some interesting Star Wars news, some Disney Plus news, some Obi-Wan Kenobi news. Uh, it's being reported on by the Illuminati uh, that there's some casting information going on, and it's some rather interesting casting information. Mm-hmm. Uh, the casting uh, list is focusing on two lead characters, and the descriptions are as follows. Quote, girl, Caucasian, 8 to 11 years old, to portray a precocious girl. Boy, Caucasian. 8 to 11 years old to portray a precocious boy. Now, you may be wondering to yourself, why is that such a big deal? What's what's such a big deal about two kids getting casted? Uh, For those of you who don't know, the show is reportedly set to take place eight years after Revenge of the Sith. Oh. Which happens to be, and so that's eight years after two twins are born into the galaxy to a certain woman named Padme and a certain father named Anakin. So, I mean, connect the dots here. We might be looking at them casting a very young Luke and Leia. Mm -hmm. No word yet. No real, you know, idea. But that's just a rumor going around and then something that's hit the net that I'm like, oh, that could be very interesting if we end up seeing Luke and Leia uh, in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which, I mean, okay, Luke would make sense. He's on Tatooine, but see Leia, that'd be very interesting. That'd be wild. Yeah. That'd be. I'm all for it. All for it. Yeah. Uh, moving on, you mentioned Umbrella Academy coming out this Friday. Something else you got to check out that I'm going to check out. Uh, the first of three movies uh, in the Transformers universe. This one called War for Cybertron Siege. Uh, not really knowing a whole lot what's going on with this. It just looks real grim. Doesn't look real good for the Autobots. Uh, does appear that it's going to be telling the end of the war between the Autobots and Decepticons. Uh, very interested to check this out. Animation looks really good. Story looks real interesting. Looks like the Autobots are really, you know, backs against the wall, down in the dirts, on the ropes, if you will. So can't wait to see where this goes. Absolutely. It's dope. I've watched the trailer just as we took break. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks really good. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Also kind of looking forward to it because I know Rooster Teeth had some information. And speaking of Rooster Teeth, uh, it was announced yesterday that their RTX event, which is their big convention they host in Austin every year, right. focus on all things Rooster Teeth. Obviously, in person, won't be happening. However, they announced yesterday RTX at Home is coming this September. Okay. So uh, it was announced that it will be taking place from September 25th, or excuse me, September 15th through September 25th with a little bit of a pause on September 19th and 20th. Instead of doing live streams and news and stuff, they'll be doing recaps and rebroadcasting panels. So outside those two days, you'll be getting brand new stuff going on. So uh, when is it taking place? As we mentioned, as I mentioned, September 15th through the 25th uh, with a break brief break on the 19th and 20th uh so you might be wondering how do you watch this uh they you, you don't need to have purchased a badge it's much in the same way of san diego comic-con you just need an internet connection uh there will be free programming certain panels and events will be available for anyone to watch on roosterteeth.com and the rooster teeth apps a complete list for this programming will be coming soon but we'll just get, tell you now that the ruby and red versus blue panels will be free you're welcome 
Uh, it says first member programming will be able to provide a lot of free programming dur- during RTX at home. And this in the, this is in large part due to the ongoing support of our first members. As a thank you to these amazing people, many of the panels will be available to watch on Rooster Teeth for first members only. Uh, if you want to check out all of the panels and daytime programming at RTX at home, you're going to be want to be a first member. Signing up is easy and supports us making more cool shows. Uh, and then there's nighttime programming. It says, sadly, we won't be ha- raving our or going to comedy shows with you guys in Austin this year, but we'll do our best to recreate the vibe with virtual nighttime events. These events will require a ticket purchase and first members will have early access. So keep an eye out for the schedule and ticketing info soon. Uh, they will also have virtual talent experiences. Uh, if you've seen uh, what some other conventions are doing, this might look familiar to you. We will have ticketed virtual experiences for you to experience such as virtual live meet and greets with your rooster teeth faves, personalized video recordings, group happy hours, and more. Uh, these experiences will be limited and first members will have early access to tickets. So we'll be sure to blast the news far and wide when the details become available. Uh, programming will be, will be broadcast on roosterteeth.com and the apps, unless otherwise noted, there will be selling merch for more information and all the links and info. Uh, you go to roosterteeth.com they have a blog post on their site so definitely something to check out i know i'll be checking some of that out because like i said rooster teeth puts out a lot of good content yeah i mean they i know they had a quick thing at comic-con this year at yep. san diego and but this one is their big event so i mean that's yeah. that's another case where we're talking about yeah everybody's holding off for their own events mm-hmm. and rooster teeth obviously does great quality work i know oh, you're yeah. gonna be locked and loaded for this oh one. yeah i've always wanted to go to rtx just the, the you know the, the stars haven't aligned quite right for me to do it. Someday I'll get down there because I've, I've seen videos and I've heard stories of RTX. It sounds absolutely insane. So this is going to be the next best thing. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. So, yeah. Uh, moving on, some weird possible George R. R. Martin might have predicted his own future news. This one, okay. hit, this one hit Twitter today. And, and at first I thought, oh, this is funny. Uh, because it's a bit of an anniversary for George R. R. Martin. And then I realized he might have inadvertently predicted his own future. So uh, in a blog post dated May 21st, 2019, uh, titled Thanks New Zealand, you can you can go to his site or even go anywhere on Twitter because it's floating around enough today. And it's a blog post he wrote about how, he, you know, about New Zealand and how beautiful it is and how he's going to be going to WorldCon 2020, you know, and announcing he's going to be doing that and all this. And, and so... Uh, at the end of the blog post, it reads, as for finishing my book, I fear that New Zealand would distract me entirely too much. Best leave me here in Westeros for the nonce. But I tell you this, if I don't have the winds of winter in hand when I arrive in New Zealand for Worldcon, you have my here you have here my formal written permission to imprison me in a small cabin on White Island overlooking that lake of sulfuric acid until I'm done. Just so long as the acrid fumes do not screw up my old DOS word processor, I'll be fine. Uh, of note, because uh, Worldcon 2020 starts, uh, vir- I think they're doing a they're doing a virtual, uh, much like everybody else, uh, starts Wednesday, July 29th, 2020. Looking at the calendar, that is today. Uh, <laughs> so George R. R. Martin, while not in prison and not he is locked in his cabin at home, not able to go anywhere. So it inadvertently might have predicted his own future. That's creepy. Yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, hey, if it means him getting actually there writing some more books. Yeah, the fan, many fans, including all, myself, all, want that next yeah, book. Yeah, all, all for it. So Yeah, can't be any worse. That's so weird, though. Can't be any worse than the last season of Game hey, of Thrones. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, <laughs> switching to some Star Wars comics news. Uh, I haven't been able to really keep up on the Vader comic line, but I, after reading this, I'm going to have to. Uh, they gave a little preview for Vader issue number three, which came out. Uh, Vader returns to, t- to Naboo. Uh, I won't spoil it for those of you who are reading, but I'm showing kind of picture here. He's on the plane. Oh, uh, uh-huh. That's 
that's the plane or the field from episode two where he's having a picnic with Padme. Yo. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he reveals the, he returns to Naboo. And Lord have mercy, I'm real interested to see what happens with this. Uh, especially when they're talking, he has a reunion with uh, one of Padme's former handmaidens, Sabe, uh, who impersonated her at least once in those movies. I forget. That's uh-huh. that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, also in related uh, Darth Vader comic news, it was announced at Comic-Con tw- uh, at home l- over the weekend that the Darth Vader comic will do a crossover with the Rise of Skywalker. Hmm. Now, I don't think... Now, no details were given, but I think it's going to be... From the sounds of it, it's going to be with something that ties into the movie. Uh, writer Greg Pak said, uh, quote, At the end of our first arc, Vader claims to have settled all of his previous business, but the Emperor knows better. He knows Vader hasn't settled anything. Vader is going to suffer a terrible punishment and undertake a new journey slash quest, and there are key elements that will tie into Episode Nine in a huge way. There are some doors that have yet to be th- that have to be thrown wide open, which dig into some great unexplored territory and also dig deeply into the heart of Vader. Once again, I can't believe they're letting us do it. Close quote. All right, so is he going to have a flash forward sequence? I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, Rise of Skywalker is so far in the in the future from it, where yeah, he is. Yeah, it's so far in the future. Of course, the Vader comic as we uh, that is coming out currently uh, is set between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So it's roughly uh, 32, 35 years in the future. I don't think it'll be a flash forward. I think it'll have something to do uh, with what you see in Rise of Skywalker. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Rise of Skywalker opens on Mustafar, where Vader's uh, castle is as seen in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the people that Kylo Ren fights at the beginning of Rise of Skywalker are Vader cultists. Mm. So it could be something tying into, you know, it, so I think it could be tying into the Wayfinder, that uh, the Sith Wayfinder that Kylo eventually finds on Mustafar. Or maybe it'll tie into the cloning. Pro- you know, Vader might discover the the cloning process or the cloning facility that uh, Palpatine was using to, to regenerate his body, could, you know, could, could, lead, could lead him into some temptations of, Hey, he can clone him. Why can't I clone uh, my dead wife? Boy, that's a lot of questions right mm-hmm. there. That's definitely going to be an issue. That's going to be some comics worth picking yeah, up. Yeah, uh, and in case you're curious when this is going to kick off, so you can jump right into it, uh, it looks like it will start at uh, issue number six, so whenever that comes out. All right. Uh, some interesting video game news. A long, uh, very popular game that for the longest time since it came out has been Xbox exclusive. Shadow dropped on PS4 with, like, no announcement. Uh, the game is Cuphead. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a very difficult, like, I'm talking, like, throw your controller at your wall difficult uh, game. Side-scroller, animation style similar to those old, you know, 30s and 40s cartoons. Mm-hmm. Very popular. Uh, dropped uh, just within the last day or so on PlayStation out of the blue. Uh, and the creators have announced a free update coming to the existing Xbox One version. Uh, it will be available. It's available on PS4 for $19.99. Uh, and then, uh, so just very shocking, very surprised, you know, uh, the studio's co-founder who made the game said, quote, to all the impassioned PlayStation fans who've sent us messages over the years, we're so excited for you to get a chance to experience Cuphead firsthand. We're also hugely thankful to the wonderful team at Xbox who continue to empower us to bring our game and our story to new audiences, close quote. So might be checking this out, might not. I don't know if I want to get into that much rage inducing, but very surprised to see this. Well, it's usually those games that look the most easy mm-hmm. that cause the most rage. Yeah. Uh, it's just from first-hand experience. So yeah. This game looks, I mean, it looks like a throwback almost, mm-hmm. but just from what you've been showing me here. Yeah. 
It does look like it would drive somebody go completely off the wall. I've heard it's ridiculously hard. Well, so. yeah, just from what she showed me, I was like, I could see myself getting really frustrated mm-hmm. and, and definitely throwing a controller. Yeah. And I haven't done that in a long time. But neither have I. Uh, moving on to some interesting movie news. It was announced yesterday that Universal and AMC have kind of ended their disagreement. They've reached a deal to shorten the theatrical window to 17 days. We're not going to do a deep dive on this just because we got to dig our dig into this and yeah, wrap this, our heads this around sounds- this. It's real confusing, but yeah. long and the short of it is, uh, according to IGN.com, uh, Universal Pictures and AMC Theaters have reached a deal that shortens the time between when a movie premieres in theaters to when it's able to move to other platforms like digital video on demand. Uh, the new deal makes it so that Universal can move its films after just three weeks in theaters. Uh, article says traditionally movie distri- distributors and cinemas agreed to let a movie run in theaters for 90 days before getting the option to make films available at homes. Uh, as reported by the New York Times, the new deal shortens this time considerably to just 17 days, after which films have the option to be distributed via premium video on demand services. Universal will also be able to control whether a film plays in theaters longer than 17 days, meaning it can choose to keep films like Fast and Furious and Jurassic World in theaters for longer if need be. So it looks like on the surface of this, it's kind of an agreement between Universal and AMC that if you got a film doing well, like a Jurassic World, like a Fast and Furious, as they mentioned, It'll, it'll have its normal film run. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it may be even be in there longer if they so choose. But if you have a film, I can't immediately think of anything that Universal has put out. Yeah, you know, it's not doing so hot. It's, right. not, it's not doing so well. If it's crossed that 17-day threshold, they can pull it from theaters and put it on video on demand. Hmm. Which is very interesting. It'll be interesting to see if other studios make similar deals with, say, uh, AM Regal or any of the others, or maybe even AMC. Very interesting precedent that could get set here. Yeah, it's something to definitely keep an eye on. And like I said, we're going to have to kind of do some more research mm-hmm. on this because I know that I, I've seen like so many confusing news stories come out mm-hmm. about who's reopening, who's not. Yeah. I know I thought Regal was saying something that they are going to be opening by the end of August. Something within the last two weeks of August, they said, which, again, believe it when I say it. Yeah, when I can actually go to a theater, I will definitely comment. I mean, heck, I might even like do a Facebook Live or something. Sure. I You just get to such a point now where everybody's trying to make a deal to get these new movies out. Everything's mm-hmm. bulking up. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty right now mm-hmm. that... If this deal does go through, great. I'd love to see some theater, some movies back in the theater. Yeah. And if they have a straight uh, video on demand type deal, like Bill and Ted does, right, that was announced, right, right. And, and some of the other ones, then sure. But until we get something really concrete and I can see an actual movie theater, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's hard to go, you know, really get amped up for it. Like I know they, yeah. they just gave Tenant another release date. Believe yeah. it when I see it. Yeah. New Mutants, same deal. Yeah. So. You know, that being said, it's just more wait and see. But, yep. but hey, if, if something can get done and we get new movies released to us one way or another, yeah. I'm, I'm for it. Yeah. Uh, funny you mentioned Tenet. That was going to be the next thing I mentioned because Warner Brothers has given Tenet another release date. I feel like, I feel like DJ Khaled. Another, another one. one. Uh, they announced uh, the last week, uh, and it was reported by Variety, that it will premiere in international theaters first before opening in select North American cities at a later date. Uh, so Tenet will be released in 70 international territories, including Australia, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Korea, Russia, and the United Kingdom on August 26th. Uh, And then on August 27th, it will uh, be released in Canada. Uh, Well, that's interesting. They put the Canada twice in this article. Hmm. Check your local listings. Yeah. Uh, Before making its way to select North American theaters on September 3rd. So uh, Warner Brothers previously indicated it could move a more flexible 
become more flexible with releasing Tenet in other territories. First, after a U.S. theater release date was continuously delayed due to the ongoing C-19 pandemic. So we might finally be seeing Tenet, which I got to admit, I'm really amped to see. I'm excited to see that movie. I don't care when it comes out, where I got to watch it. Mm-hmm. I am down for. Yeah. I need to see this movie. I am. I always like Nolan's stuff. So, mm-hmm. And this one looks absolutely crazy. Yeah. So I'm expecting to need to take some aspirin after I see it. Probably. But I, I'm excited to see it, however form we can get it in. So definitely, definitely excited mm-hmm. for that. Uh, and lastly, we got some Witcher news. Okay. Not for season two, though spinoff uh it was announced by the twitter account nx on netflix which is like a verified account for netflix uh where they said quote 1200 years before Geralt of rivia the world of mon- worlds of monsters men and elves merged into one and the first witcher came to be announcing the witcher blood origin a six-part live action the witcher spinoff series from declan debara and lauren schmidt uh, here's Rich. So it, it looks like we're going to be getting a spinoff uh, from The Witcher. No idea when this is coming since it was literally announced two days ago. Uh, but something to look forward to. Uh, it will be developed now, for those of you curious and maybe you a little bit trepidatious, it will be developed by the original series showrunner Lauren Schmidt-Hisrich and Declan DeBarra, who wrote season one episode of Banquets, Bastards, and Bur- Burials. I also do know that uh, the, books, the book's writer will be a creative consultant on the show. The, the gentleman who wrote the Witcher books will be a creative consultant on the show, Good. so he will have his input on that. So definitely something to look forward to. I know I'll be looking forward to it, and I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I still got to try to finish in The Witcher. It, I, I started, and I just... Season one, it, it jumps around, but that's because it's based off of the first book, which is a collection of short stories. Mm. So it is a bit of jumping around, and it is it, it can be a little bit confusing, but by the end of it, it's amazing. Yeah, that's what I keep hearing. So it's it's kind of like you with Umbrella Academy movie right. The Witcher. It's sure. Just, I, I get watching too much other stuff, and I'm oh, just yeah. like, I'm completely out of it yep. right now. All right, so for my one shots, let's talk some DC animated news. Okay. Now, it was announced, a uh, trailer dropped for Batman Death in the Family. Okay. So that's supposed to be dropping later this year. Obviously, it is the classic story mm-hmm. of Jason Todd and the 900 number. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the number people called to get him killed because they didn't think they'd actually do it. Yeah, it, it's always a crazy story in comics about the original death of Jason Todd. Now, this movie is very interesting because mm-hmm. this is going to be the first interactive DC comic film. Hmm. And what I mean by this is you get the option at some dura- at some point in the film, I'm guessing maybe in the in the beginning, you can either choose the Robin Cheat's death. Okay. Batman saves Robin or Robin dies. Oh. So each So it sounds like what was that movie? Bird Box? Uh I want to say yeah, I want to say yes or was it um Oh, I'm blanking. There was a Black Mirror. Uh, yeah, there was it, the, the, the like, interactive stuff on Netflix. It sounds like kind of in the same vein of that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's going to be something very interesting. Now, like I say, if you're not familiar with the story, is very, very classic in yeah. Batman's mythos. And we yeah. say it came out in 88. Um, and it's the story about how Jason Todd, the second Robin, was captured by the Joker, mm-hmm. and like we touched upon, it, they put up a nine hundred number. Yeah. So for yeah. So for those who don't know, Jason Todd coming after the original Robin, who was Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson, not as popular. Not as not a lot of fans didn't like him. So in this story, they decided, all right, why don't we put it up to the fans? Why don't we let them decide who what happens with him? Yeah. Because at that point, he was captured by Joker. So there was literally an eight hundred number that you called. Press one to have Jason live. And I'm guessing which number it was. Get press two to have Jason die. 
and, every, and a whole boatload of people, like the vast, you know, the overwhelming majority of people chose let him die. Yeah. Because A, they didn't like him. B, he wasn't as good as, you know, the original Robin. And, and thirdly, they didn't think they'd actually do it. Yeah, it was absolutely crazy, like, how many people did it. it was, and they actually followed through. Like, DC followed through and killed off Jason Todd in the comics. Later on, obviously, he's been brought back. Because uh, comics. Because comics. And he's now the Red Hood, and he's running around Gotham and where else in, in his own solo series right now. And I know that they actually threw up the old 900 number two on uh, DC Universe mm-hmm. when they introduced Jason Todd into the Titans show. Oh, okay. So that is always just a cool throwback. And like I've had touched upon, it, it was a vast majority of people that jumped in on this. It's so crazy to hear that mm-hmm. how many people could not stand a character. And now Jason Todd has this weird following, too. Yeah. Like his, Very cult-like following. Yeah, his fans are like, like the Red Hood fans are like super intense mm-hmm. about him. I mean, which is great. Be be passionate about your fan base. So just to see this happen is really a wild thing. When I when I saw the trailer, I'm like, wait, what? And he when, when the version he comes back, and I guess he survives. He comes back as the Red Robin character, though I believe it was Tim Drake. Hmm. So like, it's a weird setup how they have it. Um, it looks very interesting. I, I will yeah. say this: like, I when the more I'm watching it, the more I'm like, okay, well, this could go a few different ways like i don't know how much they're gonna follow the comic per se sure but once like i said they're introducing him back and and how he returns it's it's definitely something worth checking out like especially if you're a fan of the character and like i said the the various uh interpretations they're gonna have of this Mm -hmm. i think is something very worthwhile checking out so like i said supposed to come out fall 2020 don't have an exact release date if i had a guess i'm gonna say october right now okay so that'll be kind of my only uh shot there uh, if we're going to keep it talking about media, let's talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, obviously, last week we previewed or we t- we reviewed the latest episode. So going into tonight, uh-huh. four episodes left, including tonight's episode. They are teasing about Jaying has now joined the team and they're trying to stop Nathan Malik and his superpower team. So far, Pad, what is your feelings on the season? What's the feeling in the past couple episodes? Uh, past couple episodes, kind of up and down, but the, the, as the season in general, not bad. No, definitely not bad. And they're adding more superpowers mm-hmm. uh, individuals to the team. So there is somebody else that gets recruited to Malik's army. Uh, and they're going to delve a little more into Korra. And Daisy's relationship, I think, the mm-hmm. you know with Jaying. So it, they're definitely going to be building up some more. They're coming off obviously the big Enoch uh, death right. last week, right. which I which I I still don't think he's gone. Like the more I'm thinking about him, like somebody had to get smart and put him on something, mm-hmm. you know, put him on an LMD or something. So we'll have to see about that. And so that's going to be on tonight. You know, we'll be live tweeting that uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, wherever you're listening to this episode. We'll be on there. I know Dre Driven will be on there. The live chat is always a fun one. So definitely hop on Twitter at OD Parlay Hour. It's a good time for that. And to end with some Marvel Comics news, mm-hmm. it was announced that we now have an official Kate Bishop in the MCU. Oh, okay. And it's Haley Seinfeld. Okay. Who you know from the Transformers Bumblebee movie. Right. Uh, she's been in a bunch of different projects. Love the casting for this. Yeah. So that whenever that show starts picking up and it's going to be copying the Matt Fraction story, mm-hmm. I'm super excited to see this and super excited to see her join the MCU. So that'll be fun. And speaking of Hawkeye, it was announced that he will be a playable character in the new Avengers uh, Square Enix game. Oh, okay. So he's getting added late, from cool. if, if I'm reading this correctly. Cool. So maybe like your first DLC. So mm, Sounds like it. Yeah, so they're going to do something in there with him. Uh, I saw some early footage. Uh, 
doesn't look the worst. Sure. Like I said, the sure. one picture I thought was Stephen Amell oh. wearing a wearing a purple shirt. I'm maybe, not maybe maybe that was the idea. Oh, uh, if so, like I said, that was always my thing. If Jeremy Renner couldn't play uh, Clint Barton, Stephen Amell just put him right in. That? It would be amazing. The internet would break. Probably get really mad at me about it. But yeah, maybe I don't care. That's what I want to see. Uh, picks for the comic shop to wrap up though. Uh, Marvel is going heavy with Empire this week. Sure. So if you're into that storyline. You want to go check that out. And for DC Comics, I'm going to throw you a little curveball. Suicide Squad number seven. Hmm. And this is a story about how Deadshot is leaving the Suicide Squad. Tom Taylor has done an excellent job with the series. I don't think we talk about it enough. But it's been very hyped up of what's happening to that character. So they've kind of leaked it a little bit. So I don't want to spoil anything if you haven't seen anything. But definitely head down to your local comic book shops. Go pick some issues up. Check out any great comic podcasts such as Cheers to Comics. Get more information on it. But it's going to be something worthwhile checking out. And always, always, always support your local shops. They definitely could use it. That being said, the music you heard on this episode of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They're a great band. They have a lot of stuff coming out later this year in 2020. What do you find out about them? Floodlands. Second Suitor, Fair City Fire, and all the great music you hear on the ODPH? Well, simple. You just head on over to OchoDuroParleyHour.com and check out the music section. And check out all the great bands that give us the music you hear each and every episode. Also on the ODPH website, you can check out the ODPH directory, which has links for friends of the show, such as Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who has a poll up on his Facebook page about what game is next, Pad. Mm. And he still is trying to apologize for Ratchet and Clank. Uh-huh. And he, Pat is not selling that one one bit. Mm-hmm. Tom might have to come in studio and make this up. We'll have to figure something out for that. But you can also check out everything going on Off the Cuff Gaming there. You can check out everything going on Excite Wrestling, who just announced Drive Up Wrestling. No, that wasn't a misspeak. That was definitely a statement I made. Mm-hmm. Drive Up Wrestling. Yep. You can check out everything going on there. You can check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matters. You can check out voter registration. You can check out Save Luma. You can also check out the amazing pod groups where you're in. So shout out to Pod Nation. Shout out to 607 Podcast. Shout out to the Legion Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. And shout out to the Apocalypse, who is currently doing a pod raid this week. So you definitely want to find out all the information on that. Where do you find that out? Simply, you go click on any one of those groups. You can head to their pod chaser list. You can find amazing podcasts that you should go check out along with the ODPH each and every week. So definitely check everybody out there. And also shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Big Night Cool. Still on Twitter, Pat. Oh, boy. Everybody over at 8122 Productions, they got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of streaming we're going to be doing, a lot more events going on, too, so a little something to hype on. And especially with twitch.tv slash 607podcast taking off, and uh, definitely a lot of good feedback coming back so far of the San Diego Comic-Con coverage, UFC coverage, wrestling coverage. We're doing a lot on there. Maybe there's going to be something this weekend, too. I don't know. You'll have to stay tuned and find out. But where do you do? Simply head on over to the ODPH link for them. You can check out everything going on on their social media. And definitely check out their Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. All that and so much more at OchoDuralParleyHour.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Pat01J. 63 days, still no HBO Max app on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Also 14 days, still no Peacock app on Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. Step your game up, gentlemen. Uh-huh. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Dural Parley Hour. See you next time. Uh-huh.